It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the mini break. Your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, July 18th. On today's show, I want to prepare all of you listeners for one more run on the grass and clay courts, as those are the surfaces we will see featured on the ATP and WTA Tour this week. We have five tour-level events I want to preview for all of you listeners here on today's show. For the women, they're competing on the clay courts of Palermo, of Budapest. You got multiple top 50 players in action. So many storylines to monitor. I'll mention my favorite of those storylines here on today's show. Of course, on the men's side of things, you have the final ATP grass court event of the season in Newport. Two clay court events in Stad and Bostad. Plenty of intriguing action for all of us tennis fans to enjoy throughout the course of the week. And again, as I like to do here on these early week mini break podcast episodes. I want to set the scene for all of you listeners, run you through all five of those tour level draws. Again, talk about the storylines that are at least most compelling to me thus far here early in the week. Of course, those storylines are always subject to change given how we see the action unfold. But again, what am I watching for most closely? What predictions can I offer all of you listeners as to how this week's action might unfold? That is what we want to accomplish here on today's show. Of course, if you are looking for the final bow on the 2023 Wimbledon, all you got to do is scroll down on your mini break podcast feed. Our dear friend David Kane joined me yesterday to offer our final thoughts on all things 2023 Wimbledon. Of course, if you're looking for what else has happened of late in the professional tennis world, I would highly recommend to all of you go check out our Great Shot podcast feed. You can listen to our Crack Rackets contributors, Damian Kust, Jakob Bobro, break down everything that's happened of late on the ATP Challenger Tour. You can also listen to myself and our dear friend John J. Parsons break down all the players with college ties and their multitude of successes on the Pro Tour over the past few weeks. Again, we know it's our job here at Cracked Rackets to keep all of you listeners the most well-informed, best-educated fans in the business. We tried to do that across our podcast, so whether it's this show, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast feed, or, of course, the Breakpoint Show, where Gil Gross and I break down every episode of the new Netflix docuseries. You can find all that content available on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Be sure to like rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. But of course, you didn't come here for the plugs. You came to find out what's happening this week on the ATP and WTA Tours. The reason we're able to keep you up to date on all the action as it unfolds across the professional tennis world is because of the support we get from all of you and, of course, because of the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com to find all of the latest and greatest equipment in the tennis world at the best prices. Use our promo code CR15 at 
checkout not only. We let them know we sent you there, but you'll get 15% off all sale items. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Tennis-point symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. Also, just quickly, before we get rocking and rolling, we have so many different fun things on the horizon here at Crack Rackets. I'll tell you what, my travel schedule is about to pick up. I am thrilled to be headed to Los Angeles for the next two weeks to be able to participate and have some fun doing various things for our dear friends at Tennis Channel the weeks uh, the week immediately after that. We'll be in San Diego for the USTA Girls 16s and 18s National Championships. Of course, the winner of that Girls 18s National Championship draw usually gets a wild card into the U.S. Open main draw. Winner of the 16s gets a wild card into the U.S. Open Juniors. It's certainly one of the premier events on the U.S. Junior calendar. We are so thrilled. Our Crack Rackets team is going to be able to show it to all of you tennis fans across the globe. So be on the lookout for that in early August on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. We'll have the LS Pro Challenge. That's, I believe, our third year, fourth year of covering that event. Who knows? It's so fun each and every season. The time flies by, but we're excited to be in uh, Pennsylvania once again for that event. We'll be in Cincinnati. We'll be in Cleveland for those two North American August events as well. And it's not just those events. Our Crack Rackets team is also so excited to be able to play a part in what is not a new event, but it's an event we're certainly excited to shine a spotlight upon is there are so many ITF pro events that happen around the globe that really are the backbone of the professional tennis landscape. It's these ITF events that provide the countless playing opportunities for all of those pros looking to continue the build their rankings, build their profiles on the ATP and WTA Tour. And obviously, we just had so much fun showing off the USTA SoCal Pro Series for seven weeks. We're so excited to continue to shine a spotlight on that level coming up in September as our Crack Rackets team is thrilled to announce that we will be broadcasting the upcoming Oklahoma Tennis Foundation Open in Edmond, Oklahoma. Later on this week, we'll be joined by the tournament director for that event to discuss what promises to be such an exciting ITF Pro Circuit event. And again, more broadly for our Crack Rackets team to be able to continue to shine a spotlight on all of these young, rising talents in the tennis world. Obviously, so many of these players who compete stateside here happen to have college tennis ties or happen to be highly acclaimed junior players looking to dip their toes in the pro tennis world. And to be able to shine a spotlight on that action, to be able to bring that action to all of you tennis fans, It's the purpose of our Crack Rackets company. It's why we do what we do because there's so much great tennis that happens in so many different locations across the globe. And, you know, again, that's our job here at Crack Rackets to make sure you guys have access and are aware of everything happening around the tennis world. So again, our team is so thrilled to be able to bring that Oklahoma Tennis Foundation open to all of you later on this summer. We will have more details who's playing the event, what our broadcast schedule looks like as we get closer to it. But again, just wanted to provide a little bit of an update for what you listeners can expect from us throughout the course of the summer. We will be on the road. Nevertheless, we will have updates for all of you day in, day out here on the Mini Break podcast feed, Great Shot podcast feed, Cracked Interviews podcast feed, across our Crack Rackets channels as again. We know it's our job to keep you the most well-informed, best-educated fans in the business. With that sentiment in mind, 
Enough with the plugs. Let's talk about this week on the ATP and WTA Tours. As always, no rest for the weary. Yes, as I discussed with David Kane, we just went on about a 10-week run. You start with Madrid. That's a two-week Masters event. Rome, two-week Masters event. Yeah, you have the one week off between the end of Rome, the start of the French Open. But of course, for us here at Cracked Rackets, that's the NCAA Championships. Or for many, that's the week Alina Svitolina comes back and wins her first WTA title in oh so many years. And so didn't even get a week off in that week prior to the start of the French Open. Of course, then you have two weeks of the French. We're at a six, seven-week push there. Then right away, we're into the grass court season. And because that season goes so quickly because it's such an abbreviated portion of the calendar. It's a rush, right? All the big players are playing just about every week, trying to get repetitions under their belt prior to the start of Wimbledon. And then before you know it, it's Wimbledon. And we're into the two-week fortnight. That is the year's third major. And so, look, we've been on a 10, 11, 12-week push here as tennis fans. And, you know, for me, the last break is really that transition from Miami to the start of Monte Carlo or even Monte Carlo as a 1,000 level event. Maybe that's the one I feel like I'm perhaps that Stuttgart, although Stuttgart indoor clay court happens to be one of my favorite events on any calendar, ATP or WTA. I know this is a little bit of an opening tangent. All this is to say, I feel you. Tennis fans out there who are like, wait, there's five tour level events this week. Haven't we been on a 12-week marathon where week after week we have some sort of significant event where we have some sort of top 10 player in the world competing somewhere in the world? The answer is yes. That's precisely what we've been going through. Nevertheless, as we all know, the tennis world does not sleep. And so maybe there's some comfort for me as a podcast host. Maybe there will be some comfort for you as a tennis fan to know, hey, maybe I'm not as locked in day in, day out as I am during a major, but should I feel the need to turn on tennis channels? Should I feel on the need uh, to turn on whatever platform it is that I watch my tennis? There will be tennis available for all of you fans throughout the course of the week. Again, we have five events on the WTA side 250 events in Palermo, in Budapest, on the ATP side, events in Newport, Stad, Bostad. You've also got a 125K event for the women in Romania that we may check on uh, check in on later in the week. But for now, let's start our breakdown of this week's action with our two tour-level events on the women's side in Palermo and Budapest. We'll start in Palermo how about this for a first-round matchup? Daria Kasatkina versus Martina Trevisan. Now, the 29—excuse uh, me, 29-year-old. No, that's correct. Italian Martina Trevisan got off to such a hot start this season, whether it was her level of play at United Cup to beat Maria Sakkari 7-5 in the third on a hard court to— you know, again, go and make the quarterfinals in Miami, beating a Yelena Ostapenko on her way to a loss to Rabakina to, you know, get to the round of 16 in Madrid as well. She started her season well, but really since that Madrid run, she goes quarterfinals Rabat, first round loss Roland Garros, first round loss Bad Hamburg, first round loss Wimbledon. So you look for Martina Trevisan now, she's 15 and 24 over her last 52 weeks, 11 and 16 overall in the season. As such, she's fallen from a career high of number 18 back in May. And of course, she was defending massive French Open points from 2022, semifinal points to be precise. 
Obviously, it's been a precipitous fall as she's down to number 75 now in the rankings, unseated and forced to play a top 15 player, number 11, Daria Kasatkina, in round number one of a 250 event. There, You could argue these are probably two of the three most accomplished players in the draw as it comes to clay court success. If you want to throw Meyer Sharif in there, like that would be your argument for third. I mean, Trevisan's made two French Open semifinals. Kasatkina's made a French Open quarterfinal. These are the two most accomplished players in the draw, and they play first round. And if that's not a matchup that excites you, I don't know what to tell you, tennis fans, because, again, there's a lot of physicality, lefty-righty, two players who are going to— I mean, I actually think Trevisan plays with a little bit more pace, but, boy, are they both adept at finding the short angle. Are they both adept at beating you to the spot? Are they both elite movers on this surface? That's the headline, round one matchup. And I think if you're Trevisan, again, 75 in the world, you're in jeopardy. And now she doesn't have a ton of points to defend throughout the remainder of the season, but that works both ways. There's just not a lot of points left on her resume, and she needs to start racking them up. Otherwise, you're going to fall out of the top 100, and now life just becomes that much trickier for the soon-to-be 30-year-old veteran. And so that's one to watch here in round number one. And, you know, outside of that, you look at that Kasakina top half, I think that first round match would be her trickiest by the numbers. Now, you know, she's a 20.7% favorite to win the event. Uh, that leads Meyer Sharif, who's second, Jung Chin Wen, who's third, and we'll get to Jung Chin Wen in a second, who's my most interesting player to watch in Palermo. But top half of the draw, Sarah Cerebes Tormo, Elisabetta Cochiretto. I mean, again, for a Cerebes Tormo who missed, what, a year about with injury, she's gone in her comeback since semifinal 100K in Oyeris. 100K final in Madrid, round of 16 Roland Garros. She wins a match in uh, Wimbledon before getting knocked out by Iga. Uh, I believe she knocked out Cochiretto 6-love in the third today. And so, you know, again, shout out to Elisabetta Coach. Uh, excuse me, shout out to Sarah Cerebes-Tormo, who uh, is a top 50 player. Just the physicality she brings. She's a less, you know, again, it's so slice dependent on that backhand wing, but God, she just put two and a half hours on the clock. If she's fit and healthy, she is a nightmare to face. And so I would not be shocked to see her reach a semifinal here this week, given particularly, again, she's already knocked out Cochiretto, Julia Graber, the eighth seed in this section, already knocked out as well. I think we're destined to see Cerebus Tormo face the winner of Casaquina Trevisan in that semifinal. I mean, Yastremska, Aranxa Rus, they're always dangerous, but I'd go, hmm. I'm going to go SST. Give me some Sarah Cerebus Tormo final love here this week in Palermo to sort of, you know, again, reassert herself. Sarah Cerebus Tormo right now currently sitting uh, all the way back at 99 in the live rankings. Again, has not played a tennis. You know, did not play any tennis at the end of last season. And so has an opportunity to really make a pushback towards the top 50 just by getting wins under her belt. Thus, not a shock to see her playing this week in Palermo. Bottom half of the draw is interesting as well. You've got Erica Andriva in the mix. That's not Mira, I know, but still Andriva, another talented teenage Russian, currently 159 in the world. Nothing to blink your eyes at about the 19-year-old. You know, again, that is awfully impressive for a 19-year-old. She's got Bronzetti round one, Osorio versus Fiona Farrow. That's a lot of athleticism for a first-round matchup. Meyer Sharif in this draw. You've got seventh-seeded Emma Navarro, who 
just feels like, as John Parsons and I mentioned on the GSP yesterday, every week it's something new for Emma Navarro, whether it was semifinals in Bad Hamburg, finals at the 100K in Ilki. You know, last week she made a 125 final in Bostad on the clay. Now she's the seventh seed here in Palermo, currently the world number 57. I think it's a matter of when, not if, Emma Navarro cracks the top 50 this summer. And again, to do that in less than a year, it wasn't as precipitous of a rise as Ben Shelton's, but it's just as impressive. Again, when Emma Navarro's done, you could argue she's the favorite in the section given the recent form of Jung Chin Wen, and that's where I want to end my conversation here on Palermo. I think Jung Chin Wen's the single most intriguing player maybe competing this week. And look, injuries have defined the 20-year-old season. She's 30-20 and 20 in her last 52, 18-13 and 13 here this year. She's only made two quarterfinals, one in Rome, one in Abu Dhabi. You know, coming into this weekend, Palermo, she had lost four consecutive matches. Second round, Roland Garros. First round, Kudermatova, Berlin. First round, Pagula, Eastbourne. First round, Sinyakova, Wimbledon. None of those are terrible losses, but... When's the last time she earned a definitive victory? What, beating Samsonova in Miami? Yeah, because the level of that one was fun. I mean, beating Kasatkina, Ostapenko, and Abu Dhabi is certainly her best run of the year. But again, like, it's showtime for Jung Chin Wen. 39-19 and 19 last year. You look at what she did down the back half of the season. Quarters Toronto, round of 32 U.S. Open, finals Tokyo, round of 16 San Diego. There are some serious pockets of points for the 20-year-old to defend and you know, again, she's still a top 10 server on the WTA Tour right now, holding serve 76.2% of the time, but the break percentage is atrocious, 314 and it's very indicative of the streakiness you watch when you see Jung Chin Wen play, a player who has the weapons, has the athleticism, still has to put all the pieces together. Again, she is by far the biggest weapons in the draw. Even with top seed uh, Kasekina or players like uh, the physicality of a Cerebez Tormo, the well-roundedness of an Emma Navarro. Through all of that, Jung Chin Wen's power should prevail. And so I want to see Jung Chin Wen go and win the title this week in Palermo. That's what I'm going to predict. I'll take her over Sarah Cerebez Tormo in the final. It's go time for Jung Chin Wen. And I just, again, I think it's going to happen this year. That was one of my takes coming into 2023s. I think she will end the season as a top 15 player. You know, again, the serve is there. The weapons are there. The connective tissue from one point to the next is not. And that's, you know, as a young player, if you're working on building up that connective tissue, that's exactly what you'd like because you can't fake weaponry. You can teach someone to measure themselves better, to learn the rhythm of a match and I think that's what we're going to see with Jung Chin Wen down the season's home stretch. So I'm forecasting a big week in Palermo for the 20-year-old from China. Here's to hoping that she doesn't prove me wrong. That's your action happening this week in Palermo. Again, your favorite right now to capture the Taradol, Daria Kasakina, 20.8%. After that, you've got Sharif, 20%. Jung Chin Wen, 13.6%. Sarah Cerebes Tormo, 136 Of course, we will monitor that action throughout the rest of the week. The other WTA Tour-level event is happening in Budapest, and it's already seen the top two seeds knocked out now. I did not watch the entirety of the drama between Amarisa Kiara Toth and Jung Shui. I know there was a call that Jung Shui vehemently, vehemently objected to. The crowd perhaps was, you know, in favor of the Hungarian wildcard she was facing. They began to jeer Jung Shui. I know she ultimately retired from the match. 
I all I ask for you listeners, I know that's one of the big dramas storylines here of Tuesday. Let me go rewatch. Let me find the context that much more thoroughly. I'm recording before um, I get to fully deep dive into that specific result, but I promise I'll have an update for all of you tomorrow. I mean, it's, that's just miserable. You hate to see something like that happen in a match like that, particularly for a Jung Shui who has struggled this year and has talked openly about mental struggles. And so, you know, again, to see a match decided by that, so, so silly. Um, Again, though, she is knocked out, as is top seed Bernarda Pera, who has so many points to defend now over this next six-week stretch because this is where she got hot last season. I believe she won Budapest last year. She's knocked out first round by the former NC State standout freshman and, of course, the powerful lefty Diana Schneider. Schneider, a 4-5 and five victory. You give the lefty, the young Russian, time with her weapons on this surface. Clay is clearly her best surface right now because she does have a little bit of a bigger backswing because, you know, that her serve is not the best. And I think, you know, no one serves the best on clay court, so she has a little bit more time to be a bit more re- effective with that first serve and, you know, hit her spots, have action on the serve more than worry about needing to overwhelm with pace. But she blitzed through Pera. I mean, it was a battle of big hitting lefties, and I just thought Schneider's weapons were more consistent on the day. Like, Pera sprayed. There's no doubt about it, but that spraying was caused by the relentlessness of the power of the Sh- of Schneider, who just takes every return on the rise so well, the backhand on the return in particular. Really, really well done, again, for Schneider to get a top 50 victory under her belt. She had fallen outside of the top 100 with her win. Schneider back up to number 100 in the live rankings, 19 years old. Top 100 in the world. Need I say more? Job well done for Diana Schneider. But that opens up the entire draw now because the top two seeds have been eliminated. You also saw seventh seed Camila Rakimova knocked out 3-3 three and three by qualifier and former Vanderbilt All-American Astra Sharma. Look, right now the favorite to win the event, this is how you know it's anyone's ball game. it's Yulia Putenseva. Number four seed from Kazakhstan, who's got a uh, second-round matchup now with Claire Liu, the talented American. I mean, look, there's a lot of opportunities here. Schneider's going to face a lucky loser now in Timofeeva in round number two. You've got players like Nadia Podoroska, who's been lights out on the clay court so far this year, went you know, against non-top 50 competition. You look for Podoroska, who's back up to number 80 in the world. She's 24-19 and 19 overall on the season. You filter out for clay court results specifically 16-10, and 10, but she won a 125K back in January, quarterfinals and semifinals at a couple of 125Ks in the month of June. So again, she's back in the top 100. A job well done by the 26-year-old who missed so much time with injury. Very, you know, again, that top half of the draw right now, wide open. So much so that Kaya Yuvan and Diana Schneider right now are your two favorites to advance to the final, according to Tennis Abstract. But that entire top half, you've got three qualifiers, a lucky loser, a t- teenagers in Diana Schneider and Alina Avanisian, and then Podoroska and Anna Bondar. I mean, Wide open top half, bottom half of the draw again. You've got Putenseva, Tatiana Maria, Anna Karolina Shmidlova, who's very quietly had a very solid season. The 28-year-old, soon to be 29, 35 and 30 in her last 52, 17 and 16 this year. But where have those results come? She qualifies for Australian Open, wins a round. She reaches the round of 16 at Roland Garros. She, you know, again, has played some qualifying, but has qualified in Miami. Got in as a lucky loser at Indian Wells. Qualified at Madrid. Again, this is the former world number 26. 
uh, but has slowly but surely steadied the ship and is trying to play elite competition. Again, got a dominant win 2-0 over Polina Kudermatova in round one. This is a big opportunity for her to further consolidate her spot, moving back into the top 75 and trying to reclimb and rework her way back into the top 50. I mean, prediction-wise, Podoroska has played... I, I just have seen more from her. But then again, like, the weapons of Schneider could overwhelm Podoroska on the right day. I'll go Podoroska to make the final. I'm going to be very boring here. I'm going to go Podoroska. I see... Tired, I'm going to go Podoroska versus Shmidlova. If I was wired, I'd take Schneider versus Claire Lou. It's going to be a fun week, though. In Budapest, and again, looking forward to the action. For what it's worth, right now, I post Wimbledon, what do the top 25 clubs look like? And again, for those that have forgotten to be a member of the top 25 club, you have to A, be ranked in the top 50, and then B, from there, are you top 25 or better in both hold and break percentage? There are nine, uh, 10 players, excuse me, right now on the women's side who rank top 10, 25, excuse me, in both hold and break percentage or better. None of them in action this week, but just so you know, heading into this final third home stretch, this summer hardcourt stretch, what does those what do those clubs look like? Top ten Igish Fiontek, makes sense. Top fifteen Vandrosova, welcome post Wimbledon, Krechikova, Goff also in that club. To see Coco Goff up there, indicative of when she has played opponents who are worse than her, she has beaten them down. It's only the struggles against the best in the world, that last step that continue to hold her back. So again, Sviantek top 10, Vandrusova, Krechikova, Goff top 15. You've got Sabalenka, Bedosa, and Keys top 20, Mukova, Azarenka, Ostapenko top 25. Sounds like the top 10 players in the world for me. I mean, the only one you'd switch out probably Bedosa for Rabakina. I mean, Pagula, Jabur would obviously like a cup of coffee in the conversation for what it's worth. Why did they miss out? It's because Jessica Pagula ranks 28th in hold percentage on Jabur ranks 33rd in hold percentage, but they're both top 15. I think even top 10 in break percentage. In fact, you look in terms of break percentage, Pagula's third, Jabur's sixth. So they do both have elite skills. It's just the serves that perhaps are holding them back. And by the way, I think that number is indicative of what we see with our eyes. They don't have that elite power weaponry that some of their peers perhaps do to make their lives a little bit easier in some of the biggest stages. But yeah, that club feels about right. Again, flashes from Azarenka, Mukova, French Open finalist. Ostapenko has been electric at times this season. I think those top 10, 15, 20, 25 clubs feel about right on the women's side. And again, that's your look at the three two, excuse me, WTA-level events we have this week in Palermo, in Budapest, on the WTA side of things. Let's move over now, though, to the ATP side. And, you know, again, we've got your final grass court season uh, event of the season, so I suppose that's where we'll start is in Newport. It's a really fun draw uh, for those of us who enjoy that combination of American players or young players with college tennis ties who are getting some looks here this week. And, you know, again, it's a weird ranking cutoff for this 250 because there aren't a ton of guys who are like, yeah, I want to play a 250. But, I'm, you know, a lot of guys are like, sure, I'd play a 250, but I don't really want to play any more grass court tennis because why would I given Wimbledon is over? Nevertheless, it's a really fun draw. You know, Adrian Manorino is never going to pass on the chance to play a grass court event. Manorino, the Frenchman, the number two seed here this week in Newport. Certainly, I think he's one of the 20 best grass court players in the world. He's joined 
not just straight up a top 20 player in the world and currently number 14 in the live rankings career high for the 25, 26 year old, 26 year old Tommy Paul, who is your top seed this week in Newport. Now, none of the top four seeds, Paul, Mackie McDonald, Ugo Umber, nor Adrian Manorino have gotten underway quite yet. But you have seen a bunch of guys with college tennis ties. Let's start with the the biggest winner, Alex Mickelson, coming off of a Chicago Challenger title, the 18-year-old world number 190, gets his first ATP main draw win of his career. He knocks out former UCLA All-American Max Cressy, 6-7-6-4-7-5. Cressy now out of the top 100. He was the Newport champion last year. Max Cressy, with his loss, falls all the way to number 102 in the live rankings. Look, Mickelson, we talked about him a bunch on the Great Shot podcast released here on Tuesday. So if you want to hear more about will he, won't he go to Georgia, check out that podcast. We get into that comment pretty early in the show, or you can find the timestamps by clicking on the episode. But look, from a tennis perspective, I've said it before, I'll say it again, reminds me a lot of a young Jack Sock in the sense that he is just blessed with one of those shoulders. And look, the 18-year-old 6'3", 6'4", ooh, August 25th, 2004. I'm not going to say how many years younger, but shout out to his birthday. Same birthday as my mother. So shout out to the August 25th club. I knew this guy was special. Now I know why. You, you share a birthday with Laura Gruskin, you're doing something right in life. And I'm sure he planned that from the start. But he just has one of those shoulders. <laughs> like my mom who would say, I, I, I was going to do a voice, but I'm going to be kind. She'd say, I'm a rotator cuff surgery away from getting back on the tennis court. Anyways... The serve, the forehand, the eagerness and ability to move forward when he is in control of the point. And he's also got Bambi legs still. Like Alex Mickelson is 6'3", 6'4", looks the part of someone still growing into his body. But first ATP main draw win coming off of his first challenger title into the top 200. Again, was just better than at tennis than Max Cressy. I don't know how else to say it. And just has weapons to hang already, can plan his terms, can end points at will by turning into a ball. And he's still developing physically is the scariest part, and the weapons are already there. So I'm really looking forward to Mickelson's play here this week. He'll face the winner of Duckworth, Lestian, in round number two. Another guy with college tennis ties who earned another victory. How about Rinky Hijikata? He's had himself a hell of a grass court season. Reached his first tour-level semifinal in uh, Den Bosch. Now into the round of 16 here in Newport. We're on top 100 watch for Rinky Hijikata. Currently 112 after his win. That's a new career high for the 22-year-old former UNC All-American. Another victory will get him all the way up to number 106. I think two more wins and he's making a top 100 debut. Not the biggest guy, but electric sort of athlete. Good at everything. Credit to Hijikata, who, again, has just you, the confidence of winning a double slam title. It's it's. I don't want to say that's where he got his confidence from because he was so good at the ITF level and working his way up the challengers last year. But it's just it's just happening for Rinky Hijikata. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so another good round of 16 uh, for him. Another good, excuse me, tour-level victory now, of course, over former Florida player Abdullah Shelby. Hitchikata now has the test of tests, though, of course, as he's going to take on Adrian Manorino on a grass court. 
Other winners thus far, Jordan Thompson. He's been rock solid on the grass all year long. 0-1 over Kovacevic. Liam Brody, we always know the Brit, is going to bring the goods. The lefty, 1-5 over Shintaro Machizuki. Your last winner, Quarantine Mute. Fought off a couple set points. 7-6, 6-love. He knocks out our friend here at Crack Rack as University of Texas All-American and last year's college number one, Elliot Spaziri, 7-6, 6-love. In the opening round, players still yet uh, yet to make their debut. NCAA champion Ethan Quinn will take on Makun Sesakumar. Sesakumar beat him here in Bloomfield Hills on hard courts a couple of weeks ago. Quinn serve his forehand, his ability to move forward. I'm fascinated to see it on this surface because he's got those big backswings. Give him a slow, high bouncing hard court outdoors. Ethan Quinn's going to give you the business. Going to be interesting to see how his weapons, how his backswing translate on that surface, particularly against Assassa Kumar, who does such a good job of abbreviating his backswing and beating you early on the rise to the spot. So that's one to watch. Uh, again, John Isner is in action this week. It's a funky draw. Gabe Diallo, another former college tennis standout from Kentucky. Stevie Johnson's in the mix as well. Uh, the one guy I suppose I didn't mention, how about former Wimbledon finalist Kevin Anderson making his return to the court uh, after dealing with so many different health issues. Look, it's going to be big man versus big man as he's taking on Gabe Diallo. That's a really fun round one matchup in Newport. I'm sticking with the seeds. I'll go Tommy versus Manorino in the final. I'll take Tommy to win the title. But that's a solid draw in Newport and a fun final grass court event of the season. Of course, your other two ATP events, not on the grass courts, but on the clay courts. Let's go there now and look. The best draw of the week from a pound-for-pound talent perspective is the ATP event in Bostad, whether it's French Open finalist and top seed Casper Ruud, whether it's second-seeded Andre Rublev, quarterfinals at Wimbledon, back on the court the very next week on clay courts in Bostad, whether it's Alex Zverev, who survived 7-5 in the third over the always tricky lefty Alex Mulchan. Tomas Echeverri knocked out 7-5 in the third by Sebastian Ofner, but, you know, again, it's a really fun round of 16 across the board. You've had, let's see, the seeds knocked out thus far. Echeverry, 7-5 in the third. Davidovich, Fokina, 3-4 and four to Kovalik. Sebastian Baez, 7-6 in the third to Federico Coria. You had Leo Borg. Yes, that Borg. Uh, knockout Elias Emer, 6-3. and three. By the way, I saw the Michael Emer also a Jensen Brooksby-type suspension for missing uh, what was, you know, again, the ATP says, hey, we're coming by to take the urine sample for the drug test. Emer missed three dates consecutively when he was supposed to be tested. Therefore, he's been handed a provisional 18-month suspension. Yeah. I mean, he says he didn't do it. Again, He this is the second person to claim this is the ATP's fault. It's not mine. We'll see what arbitration deals out. But again, this is a really fun draw here in Boshta, not to get knocked off the point. I mean, top seed Kasparu taking on the rising young Russian, big hitting Alexander Shevchenko, who, I mean, that heavy ball, bigger ground strokes on this surface, he is going to be a nightmare to deal with this week. That's a fun matchup. Then you've got third-seeded Lorenzo Musetti against second-seeded Andre Rublev, fourth-seeded Francisco Sarundolo taking on the talented Frenchman Luca Van Asha. How does the athleticism of Van Asha doesn't have the biggest weapons, but... You know, again, he'll be able to hang with Sarundolo from a physical standpoint. The question is just, again, how comfortable is Sarundolo hitting that first forehand, swinging freely? Still, this is a jam-packed draw. I'll say it again. Rude, Musetti, Rublev, Zverev, Sarundolo. Those are five top 30 players playing in a 250 event the week after Wimbledon. Shout out Bostad. I mean, it's a gorgeous sight. 
and you get why players would want to play there, but they all are here this week. And again, you feel like we're going to spend a lot of time with that one. The round of 16 already said, I think my favorite matchups, either Sarandolo Vanasha or Rudshevchenko. It's probably Rudshevchenko, but it's a lot of good stuff across the board, so we'll keep our eyes on it. I'm not ready to make a prediction there because I think Musetti's playing really good ball, but it just comes down to if Kasparud beats Shevchenko, then it's a locked-in Kasparud week, and you have to take him to reach the final. Now, what happens in that bottom half of the draw? There's a lot of good players. You know, again, Sarandolo, Rublev, Zverev have all played good ball at times this season. <sighs> it's a good tournament, I guess, to stick with the theme. I'll go... Hmm. I'll go Zverev versus Musetti. I'm gonna, it feels like it's a Zverev week in Bostad, a week no one cares about. That feels like it's a perfect time for Alex Zverev to go get a title and, again, continue to work his way back up the rankings. He has zero points to defend from now to the end of the season. Would shock me. Right now, let's see. Zverev is what? Currently sitting in the live rankings at number 19. Yeah, I'd be shocked to see him end the year outside the top 15. I, I honestly think he'll be back in the top 10, probably, by the time the year is over as well. So I'll go Zverev over Musetti, but I don't feel great about that prediction. And then last but certainly not least, how about the action in Stad? Uh, top seeds, Roberto Bautista Agut. Your second seed uh, is Miamir Kasmenovic. Third seed, Lorenzo Sinego. Fourth seed, here's a weird thing to say, your fourth seed at the ATP 250 in Stad. Fourth seeded Yana Kaufman. How about that? Taking on fellow German Daniel Altmaier in round one. Of course, most notably, Dominic Team snaps his losing streak. He earns a first-round victory uh, in straight sets over Alex Muller in round one. He'll now take on the talented teenager Hamad Medvedevich. Uh, Medvedevich, excuse me, who earned a 6-4 third-set victory over Zheng Zhizhen. That's a really fun. If you haven't watched Medvedevich, uh, excuse me, if you have not watched Medvedevich yet, put it on your priority list. The talented teenage serb he's just good i don't know how it, i think there's like four guys who were born 2004 who have won atp main draw matches or excuse me six guys and he's he's a 2003 who have won atp matches he's one of them came through qualifying to do it you know qualified at roland garros he's won what he's won two challengers on clay already this season currently 183 in the live rank because i'm telling you if you haven't watched the serbian teenager be sure to give him a look this week in that matchup against team but it's a who's who of names on these clay courts you know again my birthday brother juan pablo varias is in the mix he got a good round one victory uh you've got bagness Bergs, Dom Stricker, the wild card who earned an impressive first round victory six and six over the talented frenchman arthur fee Yuri Rodionov, Stan Wawrinka, Munar. Is this a Dominic team week in the top half of the draw? I I'm, I can't even – I need to watch more Stad before I make a prediction. I'll update my Stad prediction just because I think the field is so level across the board. I mean, according to Tennis Abstract, 16.9% chance Snago wins the tournament, 13-6 Hanfman, 11-1 RBA. But everyone has over a 1% chance of winning. And that never happens in a tennis abstract draw. That's their way of saying, yeah, we don't know either. Like, buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be a funky week in Stad, And obviously, we look forward to covering all of it here on the Mini Break Podcast. But with that said, that's your look at all five of our tour-level events happening this week. Now, of course, we will continue 
to check in day in, day out here on this mini break podcast to keep all of you listeners updated on everything that unfolds here across the professional tennis world. Of course, shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who makes it possible for us to do just that with the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. And again, if you've missed anything, mini break. Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, The Breakpoint Show, all of that content available on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Be sure to like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. Of course, a shout-out as well to our friends at Tennis Point for their support of this show. Remember, it's Tennis-Point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. But with all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast. Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.